Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Makers of Minnesota. I'm Stephanie Hansen, and I appreciate you being with us in season three of the program. We are on episode three and have had a great season so far. Altogether, there are about 160-some episodes of The Makers of Minnesota. And if you are just new to the program, go back and listen to some of the early ones. You know, it's been an obviously interesting time with COVID the last six months, so the challenges for the makers have been really different. But in the beginning, you know, finding a co-packer, learning how to market your business, some of those sort of basic one-on-one things were what we spent a lot of time talking about. So I'd like to encourage you to visit some of those earlier episodes. Also, if you are looking for help with marketing of your business or you are looking for social media help, please feel free to reach out to me. That is an area that I've been helping makers in during COVID times. Um, My email is shansen, H-A-N-S-E-N, because I'm a good Danish person, shansenmarketing at gmail.com. And we will get on with the program. I am here with Carly Kammerer. I hope I said it right. She is one of the founders of Wild Flyer Coffee. And Carly, you guys have obviously a mission to serve great coffee and to provide great coffee beans. But you're much more than that. Can you tell me a little bit about Wildflyer and why you started this socially based mission and why coffee was your entry point? Yeah, thank you. So Wildflyer Coffee is a nonprofit coffee company and we employ youth experience in homelessness. So we work with youth in the Twin Cities aged 16 to 24 that have housing histories of couch hopping, sleeping outside and shelter, um, all of that. And we do a six month work and life skills training program. So can you back up a second? Was that program what started Wildflyer or was Wildflyer existing currently? So Wildflyer um, was started in 2017 um, to employ youth experiencing homelessness. So our whole mission is the youth training piece. Um, Coffee is just how we do it right now. When you started, did you think you would be a subscription-based business? Did you think that you would be a coffee shop? What was the original genesis of the business plan? Um, When we started, the vision was always a full coffee shop. Um, So we really wanted to have a substantial number of hours for our youth um, because if they're trying to leave homelessness, they need to make a certain income level. Sure. And um, there's just the stability of like a place for them to come to and for us to have, because our dream really is it's more than a job. So there's a lot of programming involved. And so there needed to be a space to do that. Um, so we started in 2017 as just a mobile cart at farmer's markets, just as a way to get started and like start employing youth and start talking about our mission, kind of like test it out just mm-hmm. to, like, is this viable? Um, and then we we did a huge fundraising effort last year for a coffee shop, um, and we were successful in that. And then we were going to sign a lease in March, and then COVID hit. So that's so. Did COVID hit before or after you signed the lease? COVID hit the week we were going to sign the lease, so we backed out. I feel very lucky with how the timing went. We just were. It was disappointing, but it was good for our longevity to just put a pause on stuff and wait to see how this plays out. And who started the funds initially to set this up? Are you backed by a nonprofit? Are you backed by an individual? Like, where did this all start that someone was like, hey, we can have a coffee shop at this farmer's market and use these funds for students? The vision for it. So I um, have been a social worker eight years now working with a long time. Yeah. uh, Working with youth experiencing homelessness in, in various capacities. 
uh, both in the Twin Cities and then Denver. And I, I just was seeing the same youth over and over again, um, really like there was a lot of basic needs support so I could help them get the food and the hygiene supplies and maybe even get into shelter. And then they'd be like back in the drop-in center back needing me a couple months later. And so I was really just seeing a, a struggle to get out of homelessness for good. And a lot of that revolved around um, a youth, the youth struggled to, to keep a job and they could get jobs fairly well. Um, there were definitely entry-level jobs, so that was okay. But keeping it was hard, just sometimes just like the lack of soft skills, things like time management, um, communication, kind of those things we take for granted are not necessarily common knowledge to everyone. And then also just the inherent barriers of being homeless and trying to hold down a job. So maybe your job is in St. Paul, but you end up couch hopping out in Minnetonka and then you like can't get in to work the next day, you might lose your job. So I just really, I just had a moment where I was thinking, what if we just helped them learn how to work and then they could kind of exit the system involvement and not have to continue to cycle back in and out of programs. And it just kind of made sense to me. So I started thinking about how to teach employment skills. And I was a barista for 10 years and I, I kind of just grew up in the coffee world and I got my start in, in the workforce, I guess, as a barista. And so it just it was an industry I had knowledge with. And I think, I think most people would agree coffee shops are just they can be a beautiful community place. And so I wanted to provide jobs that I felt like would teach the appropriate age level skills for our youth, but be fun. And then also just create like a, a community feeling that, you know, people could come partake in our mission by coming and having coffee with us. Your story is, it really warms my heart because I have a, some social workers in my family and they're young people. And I've also done a lot of work with people serving people, which also has a program where they try to teach skills in the hospitality industry in order to break that cycle of homelessness, because it really can be a cycle where you can start seeing the same families, the same people over and over. And I I, I don't know, you know, teaching someone to fish, as it were, is mm-hmm. a big part of breaking that cycle. I just really commend you for not only just, you know, wanting to start a business, but it is really taking that longer approach to the skills involvement in order to get people more stability and to help them have more success at their jobs, not just to get a job, right? Right. Yeah. We, we talk a lot about that, like, right. These youth are in survival mode. And so they're just, they're not thinking ahead really. And they don't have theory and it's, I just always talk with them, like, what could, what would you do if you weren't home, if you weren't struggling with this? And like, how can we get you there to a place where you can actually think, Hey, maybe I want to be an author someday instead of, I have to get this job at Burger King right now so I can eat today. Right. Um, yeah. Our, our passion is really, you know, and if you want to stay in coffee, that's wonderful. Most don't. Um, but really just how do we get you kind of launched into that next step of, of really what you want to be doing? So this is obviously something that you're passionate about. You get the fundraising going, then you're going to start the coffee shop. Then COVID happens. And the irony is that the bottom dropped out of the hospitality industry. So a lot of these jobs that would be available for people in these types of situations that are, let's just say, a little more transient, those jobs aren't necessarily there anymore. So what did you do after COVID hit? Yes, (laughs) that was... That was an interesting time for us all. So we 
at that time, yes. So we were comprised of our mobile events, our online sales. So we do have a packaging and like distribution position. And then the, the coffee shop, which obviously ended up being on hold. And then yes, the farmer's markets were canceled. So it really pivoted to our online sales, which we kind of put it out there to people that that was our only way to employ youth for the time being. And our community was awesome. And we had some of our biggest sales during that time just to help, which was great. So is it a subscription model where each month you give them a pound of coffee or tell me the specifics about that? It's, it's both. Um, so people can just buy, you know, a one-off bag or a cup or whatever on our website. And then we do have a subscription where you can have it shipped to you twice a month, once a month or weekly. If you're mm-hmm. like big me. coffee drinker, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is great. Everyone should drink more coffee. So yeah, we really, we shifted to that because everything was just so unknown too. Right. And the, the hard thing with youth experiencing homelessness is the advice was to stay home. And I was like, well, our youth don't have a home. So we also had a lot of conversations about just, is it really, is it worth it to, to try and, you know, make them come to work and they can't, the buses weren't going. And so there's like a lot of complications. Um, we actually had a very, very wonderful donor, um, who helped us pay their wages, during that time, even if they couldn't work or we couldn't provide the hours. So we were really able to continue the same level of support just in kind of a different way. We focus on the online stuff. Um, and then farmers markets kind of got back up and running. They're, they're very modified. We started doing that. And then we actually partnered with um, Butter Bakery in South Minneapolis. You're familiar with them. And their owner, Dan, is just wonderful. And he's actually letting us employ our youth through their coffee shop. So that was like a really, it's kind of, it's been an interesting partnership, but we're, we've worked it out well and um, it's allowing us to employ our youth with just being like safe with kind of the unknown of, of the work. In general, how about how many people at a time are you employing? Um, right now we're doing seven to 10. So the, they go through the six month program and then they graduate, I'm assuming, is there, uh, do you have partnerships with other coffee shops on upon graduation to give them that entry if they so desire? Yeah, I've been calling it phase two um, mm-hmm. myself, but, and that's something that we really want to build out a little bit more next year. There's been several businesses that I've been able to partner with who have said like, we, you know, let us know if you have a youth graduating who wants a job and they've been across different industries, which has been really great. Um, cause we had a youth last summer who really wanted to become a chef. And so I was able to connect him with a food truck job for the summer. And then another youth now is transitioning into more of like a wholesale packaging job with another partner of ours. Um, so we do have those positions and we have them within the coffee and community here as well, which I'll just say that Minneapolis coffee community is been so wonderful and welcoming to what we're trying to do, which is, I think great. They couldn't see us as a competitor, but they don't. So in, in terms of, so seven to 10 youth at a time, and you've been in business doing this model for how long, Carly? Um, so we just a little over three years. So we started in 2017. And so we've grown, you know, we started, I think the first year we just employed maybe three youth. It was really, really part-time. Um, and we've grown since then. And, And when we get into the, the coffee shop, we'll be able to do at least 20 a year. Where do you source your coffee from? So we work with Cafe Imports, which is a third-party distributor here in the Twin Cities. Um, So we, and they, of course, get coffee from across the board. Um, So right now we have stuff from Papua New Guinea, um, Guatemala, 
through, um, so we buy through them and then we actually have a really wonderful partnership with Dogwood where they um, store and roast our coffee for us. So we don't have to invest in that back end and can just focus on our youth. Yeah, they're super great people. So if people are listening, because your mission is really uh, a mission that's A, needed, B, powerful, and C, life-changing. So if people are listening and they're thinking, wow, this is really cool. Maybe we could use some of these youth workers, or maybe I have some skill sets that I could lend. Like, what are your immediate needs in looking at the next six months to a year for uh, wildflower coffee survival? Oh, there's a lot of things that come to mind. We, like I was saying, we're looking to add just more partners of people willing to hire a youth post-graduation because that's really the most important thing is that we can help them with the transition into mainstream employment. And what does that entail if you're the employer? Like what kind of, are there caveats? Are there plans? Do you prepare them for, is this a different type of individual to employ? Are they going to experience different types of challenges than they would? Yeah, it, they will. Well, most likely it will be, there will be some additional difficulties or challenges. What is helpful, I think, and I think a lot of people that I've experienced, at least who own businesses or work, you know, for larger companies is that they're willing to to do that. They just might not have the tools to, or might feel like overwhelmed. So we have the support staff to like be like, we'll help navigate you through. If something comes up and you're just like, I don't know how to deal with this conversation. We're kind of there. And so it's really flexible and it it looks different because some youth really are a little more independent than others. And we can kind of just be like, all right, check in if you need anything. And and then some need a little more handholding. So we'll kind of work with the next manager and the youth and kind of do like a warm handoff. Mm -hmm. just be that like reference person if something comes up or if there's just kind of a reoccurring issue. So I think it just gives people a little extra, just like confidence that there's someone there who can help. So that's one way to help. We, you know, buying our coffee is always helpful because it does provide an actual job for a youth. And as a social enterprise, um, about 60% of our revenue will come from our earned income. That's like really exciting, right? Because the more we sell and then the less we have to fundraise and the more time can go back into the programming. And then keep an eye out (laughs) because we will be opening a shop. And so of course we want lots of customers who love what we're doing and love our youth and, and want to come make it their own. How long do you think you will do this? Like, is your goal big picture to like open up the coffee shop and then maybe have other coffee shops? My goal is to, to make the wildflower model something that kind of changes the way we do nonprofit. Tell so me more about that. Bigger than just wildflower. So, you know, and I, nonprofits are really important and there's always going to be a place for meeting those immediate needs. And I think this is going to become even more understood as we're starting to really like talk about social justice. Like, yeah. What's happened this year, even. I just, they can create a very uncomfortable power dynamic between the service provider and the client that I don't love. Um, I know for my own self, as when I was working as a case manager, I, you know, I was just kind of starting to feel like I'm just like a gatekeeper of resources for these youth. And why am I in this position and they're in their position? And I think the youth over time started to feel a little weird too. And, you know, they try to start saying, can I take you out to lunch to thank you? Or can I buy you a present? And like, they can't because of boundaries, but I just could sense in them this, like, I'm, you know, no one wants to be in a relationship where there's always taking 
And so they would start to feel that. And what I love about employment is it really kind of equals the playing field between people. Cause I obviously we're running a business. So we need our employees to show up and be good employees and represent our business. Well, so we need them as much as they need us. So it's no longer this power dynamic. It's kind of us working together to, to both be successful. That is um, so insightful. And it's also so much more sustainable as a business model, right? Yeah, which, so I think all those things are, you know, I think social enterprise is really growing and people are really starting to talk about that. Like our traditional nonprofit, there, there will always be a place for them. But is it the best way to do things? And is there a better way? Or I think I just, I really believe in the dignity piece of employment. And I think I, I've seen that in the confidence that our youth start to gain when they're able to take a paycheck home and, and gain skills and be part of a valued team and like be contributing. I think those things really... They're hard to quantify. They don't necessarily make a flashy statistic, but they are life-changing. Yeah, for sure. And I think, too, one of the things that employers struggle with is they want to help. They want to provide access and opportunities, but they don't really feel like these small businesses, like, oh, that's more than I can manage, or there's going to be problems, and I don't I'd love to help, but I don't really know how to deal with a kid that's experiencing so much trauma. What kind of skill sets and resources do you provide to those businesses? So maybe someone listening that might have an interest in what you guys are doing or want to be an outlet on the other end can get reassured that there'll be some more support for them as the employer. Yeah. One of the new partnerships we've been able to develop this year has been with another nonprofit called Move Forward. And they are providing mental health counseling for all of our youth, which is like, is just wonderful. Yeah. Um, Because I would say that is probably one of the biggest barriers for youth. Like you're saying, like, you know, they come in with so much, they might have been robbed the night before and then they're supposed to come into work and fine. And so having that person who is helping talk about emotional regulation and how to deal with those bad days at work and deal with all that stuff um, is really helpful. And so our youth do have access to a lot of mental health support, which is uh, like employment, housing, and mental health support kind of all to me need to be done together and well um, for a person to be successful. So we can offer that. And then just the skill development piece of, of our coaches and baristas working with the youth, like hands on, on, on coaching. Some of those soft skills can really help them transfer into a next step and be a little more just like a different skill level um, so that someone who maybe can still help, but can't help to such a great degree um, would feel some confidence in taking that on. And ultimately, like you're saying, that's why we chose to be a nonprofit. A lot of people have asked, well, why aren't you just a business? But I just, I believe you can have one bottom line. We just wanted ours to be youth served. And so that allows us to make decisions that cost money, like hiring youth you know, extra youth that maybe we could get away with one, but we're going to do two so that they can have more hours or we have extra programming support staff that other coffee shops just don't have. So we need to fundraise for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and people can always just give you money. They can. <laughs> just money always work. Do you need volunteers or do you need other social workers to get involved? Yes. Actually, yes, we are looking for, so I'm, I'm kind of dancing around this subject a little bit. I'll tell you, we are probably signing a lease on a coffee shop this week, actually, okay. but it's gone through yet. So I'm like, well, I don't want to put it out there in case, Of course. but we're looking for shop managers and baristas who have youth 
who have experience working with marginalized populations, even if it's not youth, but who have that understanding of it's not just a barista job. There's going to be some extra, extra stuff to deal with. Are you thinking Minneapolis or St. Paul? It's in Minneapolis. Okay. And I'll, I'll email you if we do sign. (laughs) Yes. I'm so excited to know. And I thank you for spending time with me today. So if I go on your website and I want to buy coffee, I can buy coffee. I can buy subscriptions. I can donate to the overall mission. If I'm a hospitality industry person or a maker that maybe um, provide work opportunities, would I reach out to you directly? Yep. The contact form right on the website. Okay. Tell us about any of those things. It's really great to talk to you, Carly. I'm going to go online and buy some coffee right now. And I'm going to follow up with you offline to see if there's some other connections that I can help make for you. And did you get, you got the coffee, right? I did, but I am moving. So I just threw it right away in my freezer. So I'm going to find other, like I said, connections and ways that we can support what you guys are doing, because I really believe in your mission. Thank you. That's Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for being our guest today.